Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly, where we talk with business owners about topics of interest for business owners, especially those that are dealing with not only the problems of running a business, but also the problems of working with chronic illnesses. And today we've got a wonderful person that we're going to be talking with. And I am going to read you his bio because it's a little bit long, but I think we'll all be very, very interested in hearing everything he has to say. At just 18 years old, Miha Metli. Ofsky, a Slovenian high school dropout, dreamed of becoming a successful entrepreneur, and he pursued it with a passion, putting in 12 years of hard work that resulted in four successful businesses and a personal net worth of $15 million. But in December of 2009, an unexpected call from his bank, which had decided to foreclose on his real estate investments, brought his world crashing down around him. That one negative event instigated an avalanche of ruin for him and his businesses, resulting in his four once successful companies going bankrupt. The then 30-year-old Miha couldn't believe that he was now responsible for a collective debt of $5 million. I was too afraid to meet people because I knew there were many whom I owed a lot of money, he says of that time. Some of them even sent me death threats. Such worries created a permanent state of anxiety that held Miha captive, he remembers, though he says he did what he could to stay positive. Nothing seemed to help. After a year of being stuck in such a state, Miha had reached his wit's end and suicidal thoughts began to creep into his mind. I romanticized the thought of suicide so much, he recalls, that I was literally ready to throw myself over the balcony. Still, he felt he couldn't leave his mother saddled with such debt. Who's to blame? Years passed. Overcome with desperation, Miha yelled at himself, You fucking failed! Initially, it was the word you, he explains, that showed him that the situation was his fault. Suddenly, I felt enlightened and finally stopped blaming others for my shortcomings. I could even imagine the prospect of starting anew. Embracing that previous failure, Miha began to climb out of his rut and take charge of his own life once again. In 2014, he created a new startup generating eight figures in less than a year. Many publications in Slovenia approached him and his story went viral. Since Miha's resurrection, he has been known as the fail coach. In that capacity, he helps entrepreneurs around the world embrace and have a healthy relationship with failure with the goal of reaching a higher level of success. As he himself experienced, dealing with the psychological and emotional aspects of success and failure is crucial, according to Mia. While he admits that entrepreneurs want growth, scalability, more sales, etc., he says what they really need is the right mindset a healthy relationship with failure, emotional intelligence, mindfulness, and other soft skills. They don't think they need that, of course, and if you start talking about that, you lose them quickly. But in reality, they already know all or most of the how-tos. It's the lack of being in touch with their emotional state 
that's stopping them from going further. Consequently, he says that a lot of what he does for clients is based on EQ and knowing how to balance between emotions and logic, i.e. when to use what. That approach has resulted in big wins, both for him and for his clients. Recently, for example, he helped a female entrepreneur in raising $1.8 by completely rewriting her business plan to appeal to investors, guiding her on their pitch deck, and after coaching her on how to deliver her pitch, getting her in front of his network of investors. The founder was working on this project for about a year and had never done a business plan, he explained. They were trying to hook an investor with just a few Excel sheets, not knowing how to reach them or talk to them. Through similar activities, Miha has also assisted in raising $22 million in seed funding for his clients. Wow. I am so glad I read that whole thing. That is incredible, Miha, and welcome. <laughs> well, thank you, Nancy, for having me. It's a pleasure to be, uh, you know, on your podcast. And uh, <laughs> it, it was strange listening to, to my own story read by, by you right now. It's, you know, I, I think everybody says that when, when I read their bios, they go, is that really me? Wow, that sounds funny, but it sounds wonderful. And I want to dig right in and find out so many things. I think I'm, and I'm going to jump in and I'm going to jump into really one of the hardest things in that people don't want to fail. They don't want to think of themselves as failing. And I agree with you. I, I, I don't necessarily consider them failures as as much as I think of them as baby steps towards success. Because, you know, when a baby starts to walk, they walk a couple of steps and they fall down. And then they pick themselves back up and they walk another couple of steps and they fall down again. And in the long run, they're walking and running and, and doing everything that, you know, they should be doing. But in the beginning, it's hard. They bump their knees. They, you know, they have all these problems. And I think when we're trying to start and run businesses, the same thing can be applied to us. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like anything that you want to achieve in, in your life, it doesn't have to be business. Maybe, you know, you want to be an athlete or something. But every time when you want to accomplish something that you haven't done yet, the likelihood of, you know, failing at, at some of the steps is 50-50. Let's, I mean, look at it for what it is. I mean, even a simple thing like, you know, making that perfect creamy risotto for the first time. I mean, there's a 50-50 chance. Maybe you'll add too much liquid, too little liquid, maybe too much Parmesan and it will be too salty. You know, I mean, so many things can go wrong. But of course, with the risotto, unless we're making that for an exceptional day that we were, you know, pursuing for a, a long time, we don't attach huge positive emotions to a positive outcome. But when it comes to things like relationships, our businesses, all our dreams or our goals, everything is attached to that. You know, imagine if, if you pull this off, like what your life will be. And of course, there are huge positive emotions on the other side of the bridge. But if we don't succeed, the opposite happens. We go into huge, huge, huge negative emotions. And, and that's really the whole point of 
how we perceive failure and then go into even thinking that we are a failure because but i mean it doesn't make sense I and mean, if, if you look at things like okay you mentioned learning how to walk we we, we don't say oh that kid failed we we say learning how to walk because every single human being always has to fall a few times before they succeed at walking we learn how to ride a bicycle i i don't think there is a single person in this world who succeeded in riding a bike on their first try and so those things are, are you know pretty common and we understand them in a different way but it, it's the same thing we just use a different word we learn how to walk we learn how to ride a bicycle we learn how to drive a car and so on but then when it comes to things that are so attached to positive emotions we use the word fail and it has a completely different emotional meaning for us the entrepreneurs or even for anybody because uh, whenever you're trying to accomplish again something new there is a big big likelihood that you will fail. And that's just normal part of life. Just the way it is with walking or riding a bike or any other activity. And often, you know, we, we live in this age of infobesity uh, where, you know, you have all, all this information online and everything is out there. And we see only the positive, the bright side, you know, everybody's showing Oh, here's my Lambo, here's my mansion, here's my private jet, here's this, here's that. But nobody's really telling the whole story. Yes, every now and then, somebody, you know, hits a jackpot as well. And yes, every now and then, somebody creates a funnel and without any failure, boom, they, they are at, you know, six, seven, eight figures even. But the chances are, are very, very low, just like with jackpot, like just like with, you know, uh, being hit by, uh, by lightning. So for most of us, for 99.99999% of us, we'll have to have a little bit of trial and error along the way. That's just how things work. And it's not just business. Whenever we try something we haven't done before, once you do it for the hundredth time, for the thousandth time, the likelihood of you failing at that particular thing is, is, of course, much, much, much lower or almost doesn't exist. But you mentioned one thing at the beginning, and it's something that I actually use with my clients. And it's the same way how you first need to crawl to be able to walk uh, the same goes with success. So if you want to really succeed, really achieve great success, it's more important that you learn how to deal with failure because there will be more of failures that do eventually lead to big successes, but more times you will fail than you will succeed. And so instead of focusing on how to succeed, and I mean, of course, you need to know a, a bit of that as well. And, you know, the hard skills and so on. But it's much more important to, to really learn how to properly fail, how to establish healthy emotional relationship with failure, how to not go into that 
roller coaster of negative emotions, how to not go into that roller coaster of negative self-talk. And you know, you're absolutely right. And I've got all these questions rolling around in my head that I that I want to bring up and ask you about. And think. But two things come to mind. First of all, you had talked about where we see the Lamborghinis and the mansions and all of that. I think when people do marketing in that way, they're really doing a disservice to the public because the the people who are seeing those ads and those commercials and those stories feel like, well, they did it, so can I. And they're not really saying the whole truth. They're not saying, I rented this Lamborghini for an hour for my marketing, you know, and it doesn't really belong to me. They're not telling you that. So you're thinking, if I do exactly what this person tells me to do, then I'm going to be right there and I'm going to have my own, you know, fantasy cars and vacations and houses. Then the second thing comes along. When they don't, we're not taught how to fail. We're not taught what to do when our dream doesn't come true like we thought it was going to. And that causes major, major emotional and mental issues yeah i i mean i wasn't even thinking you know about those fake it till you make it people that go out and rent things for a weekend and bam they have content for two years even if you just look at very successful people who are successful like uh, richard branson elon musk uh, i don't know jeff bezos uh, you name it whoever you consider to be super successful through the the entrepreneurial financial material terms if you don't really go in and and study their biographies and even those biographies because if i look at my past 23 years and they are all older than i am i could write you know probably five or ten books to really really go into the depth of of you know everything that happened, the good and the bad and the ugly. Of course, a lot of that information is, is taken away. And when you're trying to take away, I mean, the way marketing works, people, people don't buy the struggles. People buy, at the end of the day, they, they buy what they desire. That's what you buy. Just being in marketing, being in PR and things like that, that's what you will focus on. And, and that's how you sell those books. That's how, you know, you sell your products and, and so on. And that, that's why so much is left away. And, and that's what I'm at least trying to change through how I share my story, how I try to really go into all of it uh, with all the ups and downs and, and, and struggles and, and all of that so that I give as full story as possible. I mean, again, podcasts, usually they are half an hour to one hour. You can't really put 23 years in just an hour, but you know, I try to do my best and to, to tell it from different angles, from also the ones that in marketing, that wouldn't be too well accepted. You know, a PR person would tell me, no, 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 you don't want to share that. Just talk about you know, how you scaled your last startup from zero to $50 million a month in less than a year. That's what people want to buy. But, you know, there's so much that went into that venture so that I was able to do that. 
And it was a whole lot of failures that taught me what I needed to know to be able to pull that one off. Otherwise, often I, I say to my clients, like, you know what? I can, I can give you a blueprint of all the steps that I did, but you don't have my personal network that I had at that time. You don't have certain past experiences. You don't have certain leverages that I was using and so on and so on. I can give you a blueprint, but who knows? I, I, I scaled it to 50 million a month in less than a year. I'm guessing maybe if you, if, if you lack on those leverages, especially on the leverages, you might not even get it to six figures a month. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think there are some universals. There are things that if you do A, B, and C, it will get you started in the right direction. But you have to have your own personality. You have to have, you know, there are a million podcasters out there now. And we all have great shows. But what makes somebody listen to one show over another show? That's partially the person's personality. That's what they're talking about. There's a lot of different things. If we all just followed the exact same formula for running a podcast, we wouldn't have nearly as many listeners. Yeah. Well, Nancy, we have to, we have to be very specific, you know, like there are foundations to every business Mm -hmm. which are universally applicable. Like for example, if you don't have a product market fit and you haven't validated that you have nothing. So you always start with the product market fit. Next step, you validate it. Then you start coming up with, you know, content strategy and client journey and and all of that. Once you validate that somebody actually needs and is ready to pay what you're trying to sell. And I think that's like the number one reason not having the product market fit for why majority of startups fail. I think I just saw an article on LinkedIn like yesterday. Yeah, the first one was not having a product market fit. So there are some universal principles, core principles, foundation, you know, like just like gravity. You can try to defy it, but, you know, you won't succeed. And so there are basic steps or or pillars that you have to respect and you have to do them in the right order. But then on the other hand, blueprints, our a blueprint for a house is meant for that particular piece of land. If you want to take that same blueprint and go to another piece of land, if it's not completely the same with like everything identical, you can't do it. You have to tweak maybe 10%, maybe 20, maybe 30. You have all these young entrepreneurs online who barely you know, came out of the university. And of course, some of them are creating amazing businesses and, and they're earning a lot of money. But the thing is, maybe a friend of theirs is, you know, an influencer on YouTube or on, on, on Instagram. And that friend for just a couple of beers was ready to spam uh, his Instagram channel, like, go check out my friend. And now if you don't have that availability of that of equal uh, influencer, you can't really take the same blueprint and do the same thing. So some things are really like 
basic things like, like gravity and some things you have to respect your own resources, your own leverages, your own strengths and weaknesses and create your own blueprint. So, okay, we're sitting here. One of the listeners is saying, I want to start and run a successful business. What do they need to do? Well, first of all, they need to work on themselves because everything starts with you, the entrepreneur. Most of them, all of them are not where they need to be when they're starting. They might not have the, a few of the right mindsets. They might not have a few of the right soft skills. You know, every time something is missing. So the first thing that you need to do is, is really work on your personal development. Of course, on the right things like mindfulness. Mindfulness is super important because it, it enables you to step away from what's happening. And in running a business, you often, you need to step away and not react on autopilot. You need to go step one step back, think, then you need emotional intelligence. Is this something where I need to use emotions? Like I need to inspire my team. I need to talk to clients. I need to do marketing. Or it's something where you need to use logic. I need to go over the numbers, see, I don't know, which channel is producing which results. I need the KPIs, I need benchmarking. So you need to step away, use that emotional intelligence to balance what you need in that current moment. So those are two super important things. And then a lot of people don't have that mindset of actually executing. You know, they're making excuses, they're... We all have certain fears when we're starting, whether that's fear of failure, fear of success, imposter syndrome. I mean, you name it. But I'm, I'm almost sure you're, anybody's dealing with something. I haven't seen a, a person that would be fully developed, ready to jump into business without doing any of the work on themselves. So, so that's number one. Then the second step is business development. You can go out there and you can wing it. But then you're spreading yourself thin, you're trying a whole lot of things. It's very hard to generate any momentum. You are encountering more obstacles and it's even more likely that you'll just give up. Um, I was going to so, say, say, that's what's going to make you get depressed and give up is just yeah, bouncing yeah. around out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So the second pillar is the first one is you, the entrepreneur. The second one I would say is the business development and business development starts with the product market fit. Product market fit is really just audience product that solves a problem and and brings a desire and a business model that's sustainable for you, the entrepreneur, and is, you know, accessible to your potential clients. And if you are working on a product market fit, best way is to find people and talk to them and just have conversations. And then once you package that together, bam, you just go back to those same people. If you really captured everything from the conversation, so that they are interested in something that solves a problem and gives them that solution and they're ready to pay for it, then you'll have zero problems selling 5, 10, 20 pieces or, or you know, if it's a service, services to them at a full price. And that's when you have a validated product market fit. Then, of course, in business development, you create content plan, marketing plan, client journey funnel, resource planning, all of that. So all that goes into business development. And then you start validating that business development on colder and colder and colder traffic. Because, you know, you, you only have 
so much of a really super warm traffic and and then you have to go to colder to colder and the colder you go the more you have to put focus on the system that nurtures that relationships and brings it from no over to like over to trust because purchase only happens once people trust you now of course if you're selling an app in an app store that's two bucks i don't need much trust i'll just try it but if it's a bit bigger, I need some trust. I need to trust you. I need to examine your own habits when you go to the supermarket. Why do you buy this particular brand of milk or that particular brand of, I don't know, batteries or whatever? It's something that gives you that trust over another brand that's just sitting there next to it. You, you make a choice. So just be mindful and start examining your own habits, and then you see how you think and why would anybody else think differently when it comes to your products or your services. So you can learn a lot from that. So the third pillar is then the validation of the whole thing. And then the fourth one would be really laying down the right foundation, like processes, KPIs, benchmarking, brand story, your business culture, mission, vision, values, HR structure. So those are the things that then get you ready for scaling because you can't scale if your company is holistically not prepared for scaling. I mean, so many times I've seen people scaled marketing, but they forgot to scale delivery and that doesn't work as well. And then the final pillar, which I think is super, super, super important, probably more than anything else except work on yourself, at least equally important as the first one, is create a supportive environment for yourself. Join a few groups, have a mentor, maybe find a coach if you need one, join a mastermind, but also create your own supportive environment. You know, simple things like change the ringtone on your phone so that it's something that, for me, it was all, what's that song from John Bon Jovi? Uh, it's my life and it's now or never. I ain't going to live forever. So that was my alarm clock. And then uh, my, uh, my ringtone was happy. Things like I would have books all around the house, not even reading them, but just seeing the cover got me in the right mindset. When I woke up in the morning, I was first thing was turn on TV, switch on TED Talks and listen to a few TED Talks while I'm making my breakfast. Uh, when I was in my car, listen to podcasts versus listen to music and, and just things like that. I mean, there's so much we can do to create our own supportive environment because being an entrepreneur can be sometimes very, very lonely if you don't have that support environment and if you don't put yourself, I mean, not everybody lives in Chicago or Austin or San Francisco where you have meetup after meetup after meetup every day and you can just go to those meetups and be inspired. For most of us, that's really not so accessible, but thankfully, Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups, masterminds, just do your due diligence. Like I always say, there's a whole bunch of info, info obesity out there. And we today need to be good editors. We need to turn on the filter. We need to do the due diligence. We need to go beyond what somebody's telling us and, and check if they really walk the talk. For example, I never ever had any problems when clients approach me and they want to talk with some of my past clients. No problem at all. I connect them and, and that's it. 
quite a few coaches out there will never do that. Makes you wonder why. Absolutely. I mean, for me, that would be a huge alarm. And then, of course, it's personal preferences as well. Like, who do you want as your coach? I know that a lot of people out there say, well, the, the coach that was coaching Chicago Bulls, he, he never was as great player as, or wasn't at all like Michael Jordan. But maybe you prefer learning from somebody who just has the theory. Maybe you prefer somebody who was out in the trenches. Just figure out what it is that you want and then make sure that you really do the due diligence to find a good fit and go beyond just watching and, and listening what they say. Check out whether they really walk the talk. Yeah, I agree with that totally. I have heard so many times people, and this hits on a couple of different levels, People will pay so much money to be a part of some particular coach's mastermind program or training program or whatever because they're well-known, they've got big names, and they pay thousands of dollars. And then they walk away disappointed because they don't get anything out of the training. And they're very upset, very disappointed. And what it really comes down to is, no, maybe the person didn't do a very good job, but maybe they teach in a way that's different than the way you learn. And you should have done your due diligence prior to signing up for that program to see what, you know, listen to one of their free webinars, whatever, in order to get talk to some of the past people to see whether it's something that will really resonate with you. I, I totally mean, agree. The way I usually explain it is, you know, like, let's say you're deciding to join a mastermind. That's a long-term relationship. I mean, it's supposed to be long-term. You're not just joining for one mastermind and then you're out. You're looking at this as investing into a relationship. And so many people treat what is supposed to be a long-term relationship like a one-night stand. They just jump into the bed because of the shiny objects or the name or this or that, go on a few dates, you know, like what she said, like watch some webinars, download the freebie. I mean, when I started my whole online coaching business and the venture into the online business, I went out and I downloaded and bought, you know, this low end, low cost entry items because, you know, everybody was telling me, well, you need to build a funnel and you need to have something at the start of the funnel either it's free or you know three bucks five bucks seven bucks i was so freaking disappointed and and those were some really huge big names that prior to that moment i really respected i was so freaking disappointed and then i said well you know what that doesn't align with my values so for example my lead magnet is brainstorming sessions public brainstorming sessions i open up my zoom client twice a week uh, people jump in, they can ask me their specific questions, get to know me. I, it's completely value-based, no salesy, no nothing. Um, they get usually very actionable, very simple advice that they can implement straight away. And after they do that, I think it's much easier to decide whether that fits you or doesn't fit you and so on. So, but yeah, you have to do your own due diligence. You, you have to do that. And on the other hand, you have so many people who are just going from one freebie to another. I mean, that's something that I plan to go live on my LinkedIn today, just talking about that because I'm friends with a lot of people, a lot of people who want to 
being entrepreneurs. And, you know, they pop into my newsfeed when they, you know, comment this, comment that. And I so much see them, a coach, somebody who's a coach or doing something says, oh, I made six figures by just doing one simple thing. Who wants to get my free ebook on that? And, and you see same people for the past two, three years, always the first ones to raise their hand they never implement. They don't implement. They're still where they were. Yes, I understand you want to do the due diligence. You want to do the dating, but then you have to make a decision and then you have to implement. Otherwise, nothing will happen. So many people online talk about law of attraction. And Nancy, I don't know what's your opinion on the law of attraction. I mean, it's not that I don't agree with the law of attraction, but it's, it's almost like they're missing the point. Yes, you first have to believe and, and, and all of that. But then you have to do something. It won't just fall out of the sky. Pigs know? don't fly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's implementing. I mean, when I started my whole, when I exited my last startup, and first I was doing a lot of work with startups, very early age startups, early, early stage. And they all come to you with these great, amazing ideas. And they say, well, I, we think that we are already valued at gazillions of dollars. And every time you have to repeat the same thing. Idea is, I don't know, 5 10%. But then you have to implement it, validate it. Only then you have something that's worth investing in. Yeah. And so many times when I'm talking to potential clients, I'll ask them, why are you starting this business? And they're startups. And I say, why are you starting this business? Why do you want to do this? Oh, well, I want to have, I want to do things in my own time frame. I want to be able to come and go and do the things I want to do. And I want to make lots of money. And I'm going, darling, <laughs> that may happen. 10 years down the road, but it's certainly not going to happen this month. You know, you've got to, you're not going to make, generally speaking, you're not going to make six or eight figures in the first year you've started your business, although some people can. But the bottom line is you can have the best darn idea in the world. But if all you're doing is saying, okay, I've got a Facebook page, I've got business cards, I'm open my customers are just going to come bombarding me. That's probably not going to happen. You have to get no. out there and let people know I you're agree. there. I agree. I mean, in, in reality, for most people, going from clueless to 10-ish K a month, in reality, that's at least six to 12 months. I mean, again, it depends. I, I had one client who used to be an investment banker at one big American bank. And, you know, he was there for the past, I don't know, 30-ish years. And he was in charge of onboarding young people uh, that were coming to that position. And then he decided to create like a program and so on. Yes, he had a huge, huge, huge leverage. And he was able to crush it in his first month. Because he knew exactly who that's targeted to, what they need, how they need it, where you can find them, all of that. So he had all that clarity. But for most who are still clueless, just maybe hungry to do something, to, to achieve something, 10 to 20K a month, that's doable in, in 6 to 12 months. 
but you have to really do it. I mean, it, it doesn't have to take a whole lot of time, but you have to do the right steps at the right time. You have to follow them step by step. And yeah, it, it does take a few hours every day, a bit more over the weekend. So, but if, if somebody thinks that just with one hour a week, they will be able to do something, you can't really create the momentum. And momentum is so crucial. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And, and, you know, I've heard people say, well, nobody else is doing this. This is a really good business to get started in because I'm going to be the only one doing it. And I say to them, if that's the case, there may not be a need for what you want to do. If nobody else is already doing it, you really need to do your research to make sure that somebody does want what you're doing. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you can have the best idea and maybe you're solving a problem. Maybe you are actually bringing people the desire, but at a cost that they are not willing to pay. So you might have the audience, you might have the perfect product, which, you know, does what it's supposed to do, but people are just not ready to pay as much as you need for it because i don't know maybe the production of that product is, is so high or the cost or i don't know maintenance or this or that let's say for example let's say that you want to be in the travel industry and you come to me and you say hey Mika, like what's something that you struggle with when you're traveling and i would tell you like oh my god i i, I so hate it when you know i have to go online and find the tickets and this and that and the booking if somebody would just do that for me and you say hmm i can be that vip concierge and come up with the idea you you make it even better you know how you'll send me a postcard every time and, and things like that and then you come back and you say mika i have the perfect product for you it will only cost you 5k a month Maybe I'll say, oh, wow, 5K. Well, you know what? For that money, I'll invest the two, three hours that I need to plan my trips instead of paying you 5K. And bam, right there, you don't have a product market fit. Right, absolutely. Well, these have been really, really great conversations that we've had today. But tell us a little bit about what programs you're offering right now. And if somebody wants to work with you, what are you offering that they can be a part of? Um, I'm doing two things. So, and I'm super passionate about both of them. One is an online program for people who are new to entrepreneurship and it's called Framework for Freedom. And we really go through all the pillars and everything. It's very handheld approach with a lot of attention, a lot of support. And then on the other side, I do still some very high-end one-on-one coaching with entrepreneurs who are seven-figure digits. Um, so at least three to five million dollars in yearly revenue and above. But the best way for people to get to know me and to, to see whether you know, they, they like me or they like my style or whether they get the value, I love doing the free brainstorming sessions that I already mentioned. And the link for that is frameworkforfreedom.me. Very simple. They go in, they'll see all the, the available schedules when I will be live. They jump in. It's not recorded, nothing. I don't use that for any marketing uh, material. I really wanted to create a safe environment where everybody can feel safe to ask 
whatever they need and whatever they want. And they can join as many of them. Some people are coming from week to week. You know, I'm, I'm really, it's, I never liked being a salesy person. I believe that if it's meant to be, it's meant to be, you know, people need to reach their right timing to be ready to move forward. So some of the people who are, who are coming every week to the free sessions, they also say it's great accountability for them. And I don't hold anything back. So I treat those as if they are paying clients and I give as much as I can uh, because I truly, truly stand by the number one value that I go by in my business, which is, you know, giving without expecting anything in return. If at some point they're ready, cool. If not, I love helping. I love speaking to them and they don't have to feel, oh, now I've joined a few now, you know, I, I must buy something. No, that's not the case. You can come for, you know, next three years to uh, once a week and, and I'll help you same way as I will to anybody that's joining for the first time. And what's that URL again? Framework for freedom dot me. Okay. That will be in the show notes, guys. So, you know, sounds like a really good thing to me and I would highly recommend you all take advantage of it. Thanks for offering that, Miha. It's, I'm sure it's greatly appreciated. We are coming to the end of our time, and I always ask everybody if there's something that we've missed talking about that you just really need to get out there, what would that be? If I can pick one thing, I would just go back a little bit and just re-emphasize the importance of how we view failure, what kind of a relationship we have towards failure, and for everybody who's listening to this, to, to really try to grasp the idea that if you're trying something for the first time, if you're pushing yourself out of the comfort zone, the likelihood of failing at certain steps is 50-50. Try to really, really grasp that, really understand that uh, on a logical level, on an emotional level. And when you hit a roadblock, when you hit something where you fail a little or a lot, don't look at it as failure. Maybe you can try renaming it and you say, oh, another learning lesson. And just start asking yourself good, positive questions. An example, what could I have done differently? What would I, what can I change in the approach? How can I do this in a different way? What other ways are there for me to do that? Put yourself in that me position, I position, when you, where you own it, because then you, you are signaling to your brain, I can do something about it. You, you actually put yourself in, in front of the driving, you're really driving your life that way. So instead of, you know, trying to come up with who outside of you to blame or, or what outside of you to blame, really take the ownership, ask yourself good questions. And that, that's the shortest way to fail fast and to fail forward. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for being here today, Miha. I've, I've certainly gotten a lot of really good information. I know our listeners have. And guys, I hope that you were able to sit there, listen, take notes, and are going to go out there and 
implement the things we've talked about today. They are so important to growing your business successfully. This show will be aired on, as all of our shows are, on Thursday evenings at 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern on flyingpigs.podbean.com. And we have wonderful speakers each and every week that you get tons of information from. And they're all so willing to share with you and help you to be the successful business that you want to be. So until next time, guys, get out there, be productive and soar higher. Until next time, see y'all later. Bye-bye.